The voice of reason. The voice of alarm. The voice of stats. The voice of scouts. The voice of Kool-Aid. The voice of dismay. The voice of Davo. How about that big game, James? He was just that this afternoon. A big game stud as the Royals finish off their second most impressive series of the season, by my estimation, defeating Oakland 4-2 and taking 2-3 of three against the best team in baseball. Welcome into Clubhouse Conversation. It's Davo on your dish here for Game 3, the rubber match of the series. And, yeah, definitely, I think next to that 3 out of 4 in Detroit that catapulted the Royals into first place for a blink of an eye back in late June slash early July. I think other than that, I think this series is their second biggest one of the year. And, I mean, definitely one that nobody gave the Royals a chance to win. We said here on Clubhouse Conversation before the series started, the Royals had to get one to stay alive, and realistically, they had to get two to really stay alive. Well, they did that. The Royals took two out of three, and they're now 9-3 and three their last 12, and all of a sudden, they're right there again, just a game and a half out of the wild card and five behind Detroit, all thanks to a superb game from James Shields and a really nice job from the Royals' offense. Let's start with James, who we've said this year countless times, has been kind of disappointing for what he – for what his expectations are and for what he is and for what he's, he's supposed to be. I think he would tell you the same thing, that there was a good you know six to seven week stretch there where he was disappointing this year. Still having a nice year overall, but for Shields' standards on a contract year with the Royals all in in 2014, you know, the trade, the famous Will Myers trade, all that put together, we expected probably a bit more from Shields. Well, all of a sudden, we're getting it. Shields has stepped up a lot his last five to seven stars. He's looking like the old James Shields minus the strikeouts. We'll talk more about that here in a minute. But he's looking like the James Shields we expected to see. And he pitched today like it was a big game, and it was. I mean, this is a game today. You got James Shields against Scott Casimir, who's having a nicer season statistically. But I would still take James Shields in 2014 against Scott Casimir almost any day of the week. I mean, Shields has struggled for a while, but he's turning things around, and it's exciting to watch. And if Shields can continue this his last, what, nine or so starts of this season, the regular season, the Royals are in great shape down the stretch to at least be there at the very end. So Shields may not have had the sexiest line ever today because, like we said, he lacked Ks. But the important things were that, A, Shields didn't walk anybody, and, B, what did he saw off? About six Oakland Athletics in their hands? I mean, he caught two weak infield pop-ups on his own. There was at least two or three others. Christian Colon made a play in foul territory. Same thing for Billy Butler, Omar Infante. So he was sawing off guys, and that's not even counting all the ground outs. James Shields induced eight ground outs as compared to three flyouts. So really just did a fantastic job of pounding the strike zone, but not just throwing balls down the middle. This Oakland team, yeah, they're selected, but they're waiting for a pitch. They have a plan up there. It's a Billy Bean team. It's a team that scores a lot of runs. They walk a lot. They hit a lot of home runs. They know what they're doing. And James Shields kept the ball away from the middle of the plate, worked the corners well, got in in their hands, didn't walk anybody. And, I mean, gosh, that was fun to watch this afternoon. So so big props to James Shields. We've said here on Clubhouse Conversation throughout the year that we love him. He's our favorite pitcher on the staff. But we'd also admit that he was being disappointing. Well, not anymore. The last few starts, and James Shields can easily still finish strong and have the kind of year we were expecting out of him and the Royals were as they hopefully can end this playoff drought. Now, we're a long ways from that, obviously. But this is a good start, obviously. Nine of your last 12, taking two out of three against the best team in baseball. 
And now you go in to face a team that's reeling. We'll talk more about Arizona. I'll give you a little preview of them since most Rails fans know virtually nothing about the Diamondbacks. But Greg Holland, let's give him props again. One, two, three. It's just automatic at this point, isn't it? In the ninth, he struck out one. He's now got 31 saves, a one six nine ERA. So, so just pitching today was just awesome, as it was in games one and three of this series. And even yesterday, I mean, had the Royals made some better defensive plays, if Billy Butler catches the ball, if Mike Moustakas turns two, I mean, there's a good chance the Royals limit the A's to three to four runs yesterday and possibly hang in that game. So for the series, I thought the Royals pitched really well outside of that one inning yesterday when the defense let the Royals down and they got singled to death to right field. But, I mean, give the Royals pitching just big props. I'm excited about where they're at right now. It's great having Jason Vargas back. It really solidifies that rotation. Jeremy Guthrie, perhaps had the most encouraging outing of recent memory for a Royal starter, especially after his July, where his ERA was in double figures. So good to see Jay Guts turn things around. Good to see James Shields continue at the bullpen's lights out. Just an exciting time for the Royals. Now, offensively, the Royals hit Scott Casimir around all day. Now, take out those double play balls, which you can't do. I understand that. But first and second inning, the Royals were smoking the ball, but had double play balls mixed in between. They really could have had a six, seven, eight run game against Scott Casimir. He went six innings, allowed four runs on 10 hits. The Royals only walked once, but they only struck out twice, I guess, is the opposite side of the token. And that one walk, by the way, was a real impressive at bat by Alcides Escobar, perhaps the most underrated at bat of the day. Something else I noticed with Escobar, did you notice it in this series too, how he's really making a conscious effort, it appears, to have better at bats, take more pitches, hit the ball to the right side? I really noticed it. He laid out the breaking ball down a good amount of this series. It's been getting him out the last four to six weeks. So perhaps Escobar is turning things around and going back to the LCDs we saw in April and May. Good to see LCDs Escobar. He just looked comfortable to play. His approach looks really good. Hopefully he, he can continue that into Phoenix. Now the Royals had two players with three hits. Billy Butler, nice bounce back after a horrendous game yesterday where his first three at-bats saw five pitches, left two guys on base, missed that pop-up. It was a horrendous game for Billy, but he bounced back today, did a nice job, and a couple nice defensive plays. We'll give him credit, absolutely. Three hits for him. Also, Omar Infante, including the big two-run hit in that big Royals inning, which we'll talk about in a second, as the Royals seem to only score in one inning all year. Luckily, a lot of the times it's a nice crooked number. Lorenzo Kane, Alcides Escobar, two hits apiece. And then the entire lineup, except for Gerard Dyson, had at least one. One hit for Cologne, Gordon, Perez, and Aoki. And, yeah, Dyson had, on the other hand, you know, you had nice at-bats from Escobar. Dyson's been struggling a bit. The last three to four weeks, especially today, taking two fastballs right down the middle for strike three. One of the times I thought it was completely bizarre with a runner at second against a lefty when Nedios seems to bunt Dyson. I mean, he's bunting guys to get him to second all year long. In a 0-0 game, he doesn't bunt Dyson with a runner at second and nobody out, and Dyson takes a fastball down the middle. That was interesting. Not quite sure what that was all about. But it didn't matter thanks to that four-run inning there. In the fifth, as the Royals continue to do same things every day, great pitching, it seems like, every day, great defense every day. And then if they score runs, this is not every day, but but if they do score runs, they come in bunches like they did here in the fifth again today. Now the Royals go into their off day at a good time, a good chance to rest up the bullpen so they can be 100% going into a very important series with the Diamondbacks. The Royals now set up 57-53, and 53, right within striking distance. And I'm going to be bold here on Clubhouse Conversation. I'm going to call a sweep of the Diamondbacks. It's not totally bold because the Royals hold the pitching matchup in every single game. It's not like I'm going way out on a limb. 
but I think they're going to sweep this series. I mean, look what the Tigers did this weekend to the Rockies. Now, the Diamondbacks, record-wise, aren't quite as bad as the Rockies, but right now, without Paul Goldschmidt, they're essentially the Rockies. I mean, they're a bad baseball team. They're one of the five worst baseball teams in baseball as of right now without Paul Goldschmidt in that lineup. The Tigers swept the Rockies, and I'm not trying to compare the Royals to the Tigers. We can both agree that the Tigers probably have quite a bit more talent than the Royals, albeit the Royals still do have an outside chance of catching the Detroit, but... I mean, the Royals, if you learn anything from being quote-unquote in the playoff race slash pennant race, it's that good teams seem to take advantage of a weak part in the schedule and just put their foot down on bad teams. And that's something the Royals have struggled to do throughout this year, from getting swept at Minnesota and you know at home to Houston. And you can go on. I don't even want to think about all the bad series losses. We got good mojo right now. We're going to stay there. But this is a series I really feel confident the Royals will get two out of three minimum, and they have to. Again, you've got to win virtually every series from here on out to make the playoffs. Like I keep saying, you win all but two or three series from here on out. The two or three you lose, you can't get swept, and you've got to sweep three series or so. Well, this is one series the Royals need to sweep. After not sweeping on the last homestand against the Twins, This is a golden opportunity for the Royals against a reeling Arizona team, which has virtually nothing to play for. The Royals are hot right now. They're more of an NL team anyways. I mean, look at Interleague. The Royals are 8-4 and in Interleague play. So they're going to Phoenix. And let's talk about the Diamondbacks. They're 49-63, and so they're 14 games under 500. They're 5-5 and over their last 10, which I think is a good thing. I'd rather have them be playing decent than coming in reeling because I feel like a reeling team is more due to win. But I think the Royals have a good chance here. They're 5-5 five and five the last 10. They beat the Pirates today. But like I said, Paul Goldschmidt, last year's runner-up MVP, if you haven't seen him play, it's special. He accounts for about 30% of Arizona runs. I just looked that up. 30% for Paul Goldschmidt, essentially, of Arizona's offensive production. He's out of the lineup, out for seven to eight weeks, so he's done for the year. So not only do the Royals have the pitching matchups in their favor, which we're going to go over right now, but I mean, who do, who, who do the Diamondbacks even have that you're scared of now in that lineup? You've lost 30% of your offense. You've got a pitcher to bail you out if you ever need to for two to three at-bats because you're playing National League rules. I mean, the Royals have three really good pitchers who are hot right now going in this series against a subpar offense. I love the matchups. Tuesday, it's a pair of lefties squaring off. Danny Duffy against Wade Miley. He's the best of the three pitchers the Royals will see starting-wise in the series. Wade Miley, exactly a league average pitcher in my mind, especially in the NL. He's got a 4-1-4 ERA, which would be more like 4-5 in the AL. So 4-1-4 for Wade Miley. He's 7-7. Seven seven. Strikes out nearly a hitter per inning, so he will get strikeouts, but he has allowed 18 home runs. So you can take him deep, and Pakota projects him essentially exactly where he's at. So he is what he is, a league average starter. And you've got Danny Duffy going against him. you got to win that game. I mean, Danny Duffy, like we talked about after his last start, for his 2014 campaign, he struggled. And that was good news because we talked about before his last start that he was due for a bad game after reeling off so many nice starts in a row. So hopefully Danny Duffy got that quote-unquote bad start. It wasn't even a bad start. But, you know, the six walks, for him, it was a bad start. It was vintage 2011 or 2012 Duffy. So hopefully he got that out of his system now. And he'll come back right where he left off against a Diamondbacks lineup that is reeling. There's no DH. I just love the Royals' chances on Tuesday against Wade Miley. So you got the big edge on Tuesday. Wednesday, another big edge. Jordano Ventura against right-hander Josh Colmenter. Colmenter is 8-5 and five with a 4.07. So essentially the same pitcher as Miley. I'm still a little bit more scared, quote-unquote, of Miley. I'm not scared of any of them, but I'm more 
nervous is not the better word, but I'm not nervous either. <laughs> so anyway, I would say Miley's a bit better because he strikes out him a lot more. Cole Munster doesn't strike anybody out. Right-hander. I'm sure that's the one game Billy Butler gets off in this series. The Royals face two lefties and a righty, so I'm assuming you see a Banyas at first base on Wednesday with Butler starting on Tuesday and Thursday. Then on Thursday, it's Jeremy Guthrie against lefty Vidal Nuno, who the Royals have seen before, obviously. He's 2-7 and seven with a 4-7-8 ERA, and he's allowed 19 home runs and just 107 innings. 19 home runs and 107 innings for Nuno. With that 4-7-80 ERA, like I always say, I like to add about .4 to National League starters. The Royals are facing guys with ERAs essentially in my mind, a 4-5, 4-5, and 5-4 against two of your best three starters, you know, your top three at the moment since Vargas is out of the loop. At the moment, it's obviously Duffy Ventura Shields. But Jeremy Guthrie coming off a great start, six shutout innings against Oakland on Friday. I like where he's at against that lineup as well. I just think it looks so good for a Royal sweep. Eight and four. The Royals are more of an NL team anyways. And their their struggles of not scoring runs is much less magnified in a National League ballpark. Neither team has a DH. That helps out the Royals considerably. And like I said, no Goldschmidt. So I think it's a series obvious that the Royals have to win two out of three. Anything less than two out of three is a debacle for where the Royals are currently at and where they need to go as they need to get more towards the 11 to 15 games over 500 as they head down the stretch here. So looking good right now for the Royals. A nice weekend at 9 of their last 12. The matchups look good. Enjoy their day off tomorrow. You do the same. Hopefully you've enjoyed. Uh, I'm saying enjoy a lot. That's a crutch today here. But hopefully you've not enjoyed. Hopefully you've listened to the interview we did with Andy McGaffigan that's been published. It's over an hour, so I understand if you need to download it and take it with you. I know it's a lot to listen to, but very interesting. He gets very in-depth about the 1990 Royals, which had the highest payroll in all of baseball, can you believe that? 1990, SI picked him to win the World Series, and it just completely tanked. He talks very in-depth and very bluntly about that. Some some very interesting words about Herc Robinson, I thought. Very open about his 11-year major league career. He talks about playing with Rex Hudler in Montreal. Very interesting. Check that one out. If you missed the Whit Merrifield, check that out as well. And we'll have a couple more interviews for you this week again here on Clubhouse Conversation. As always, as we do one current, one former player every single week on Clubhouse Conversation. We'll talk to you again Tuesday night late with another dish. Go Royals and enjoy the day off tomorrow.